the Underdog Sports MLB Show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 185 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. And last week in our household bought many travels. Um, and I would say in both of our travels, Saturday, you were in Montreal. I was in California. Um, so Canada and California, those both start with a C, so we had that in common. But I don't think it's an exaggeration to say, and you could tell me if I'm talking out my ass right now, because we both know I'm prone to do that. Saturday's playoff slate of baseball may have rivaled Game 162 in 2000. Was 2010 or 2011? 2011, because the Red Sox were yep. It might have rivaled 2011 as one of those all-time baseball days, top to bottom as a fan. It sucked for us how it ended as Yankee fans, but in terms of the actual four games that were played, an unbelievable day for the sport. It was an all-time sports weekend. I was going to say, it was an all-time baseball day, and at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter because Tennessee Bama was 52-49. Tennessee Bama <laughs> and USC lost in the last minute. Yeah, that was cool too. So we had a bunch of upsets in college. That football. was a big bounce back for all the Yankee fans at this wedding that we were following on our phone, and Utah beat USC. And, um, yeah, no, it was a good sports weekend. It's a good time to be a sports fan right now. We're in that cool sweet spot where all four of the big ones are gone. That's sort of the one benefit to the way the schedule uh, – oh, I guess they're pushed back the postseason in general because of the expanded playoffs, but specifically this year with the lockout. Um, it is cool now that we have like a full two weeks where there's just sports on constantly. Um, that's certainly fun to watch. The flip side of that is it was cold at the Yankee game last night. It was cold in Montreal all week. And by last night, I mean the game was at 4 o'clock. I was very bundled up. But a big weekend in sports. We will jump right into it. The LCS is underway. NLCS game one happened last night. ALCS, the rematch, round three and a half, I'm going to call it, uh, between the Yankees Astros starts tonight in Houston. What's the half? I, I would consider the wild card game a half. Okay. You know, that, that's a one game winner takes all. Obviously, it still counts. It fuels my animosity towards them. They knock us, knock us out, but it's a one game playoff. It's a half. That's when Keiko was, was good. That's when Keiko had a beard, uh, and nobody hated Altuve. We were still a few years away from that. But everyone loved Altuve. Everyone loved Altuve when the M- I think that's the part of the narrative with Altuve winning the MVP over Georgia in 2017 that people don't remember enough. He was beloved that year. When that hurricane hit, and him and, him and J.J. Wow were on the cover of Sports Illustrated. They were, they were sports Sportsman of the Year. I mean, he did so much. Was it Hurricane Harvey? Yep. When Harvey hit, Altuve did so much for the community that I almost think that was the tiebreaker even though Judge was a New York Yankee. I think that Altuve had a better season than Judge, and there was no tiebreaker. Well, I'm not saying Altuve necessarily cheated, but I am saying one one of their teams cheated. I, I have someone in my mind... But that's not the point. That's a different argument. I have someone in my mind, based on the evidence, let Altuve go for that one. Um, and I think Yankee fans, I honestly do think our anger is misdirected. I think if anybody, it should be directed at Alex Bregman, who, when you look at his numbers, overwhelmingly benefited the most uh, from the trash can scandal. At the end of the day, Altuve, even this year, Altuve's gotten five years older since then. There's been no trash can banging. He hit 290 with 30 home runs this year as a 30-something-year-old. The guy is just a good hitter. Bregman, you look at what his numbers were, you look at what they are now, 
They're still good. They ain't trash can good. Chase, I like you being so positive towards the Astros. I wouldn't say I'm being positive. I think I'm... No, you are. It's, it's like how I reallocated my postseason funds for a game that's not happening into a game that is happening. I'm reallocating my anger. Plus, Bregman let the entire Jewish community down, so fuck him. We don't get many good Jews nowadays, and so far a lot of them happen to be involved in cheating scandals. I wonder right what percent of the LSU population is Jewish. The LSU student population. Who can you think of other than Alex Bregman? Well, I don't know every student at LSU. Aaron Nola, not Jewish. I mean, I'll look that up. DJ LeMahieu, not Jewish. A lot of good baseball players, though. Uh, we will do our one and only BovadaSportsbook.com pick of the week right now. Uh, Yankees line is not live because they have not officially announced a starting pitcher, although it's presumed that James Dion will be starting with Wow, Chase, how many? Oh, that's 2005. 102 Jewish students. One hundred. Right, so it's probably like 200 now. Uh, Phillies-Padres game two, Nola versus Blake Snell. Minus one and a half, plus 180, plus 102 for the Phillies. Plus one and a half, minus 220, minus 120 for the Padres. Um, Snell's been very strong this postseason. You know, he ditched the changeup. He's starting to throw the curveball a bit more. Um, but Aaron Nola has been otherworldly in the playoffs so far. Um, he's been that. I mean, Wheeler's been the guy too, but I think Nola's given up one run dating back to the playoff clincher against Houston, and he's gone six plus innings every time. Uh, I like the Phillies plus 102 here. I think the Phillies are going to sweep. I think they're going to jump out to at least a 2-0 lead. And um, you said it to me last night when we were watching the game. We're looking at what could potentially be an epic couple-month stretch as a Philadelphia sports fan. I do. I think the Phillies are going to sweep this series. I think I don't trust Snow in a playoff game. He doesn't go deep enough. They got a good outing from Darvish yesterday, so they could save the pen. I, th- I was watching the game last night thinking about this Padres team. I think that's why you have Snow go in between Musgrove, and Darvish to save the bullpen. And that's interesting, too, that Snell all of a sudden is the length guy who you think would save the bullpen. To me, Musgrove would fill that role. No, you got Snell in the middle because then you can... Oh, oh you saving, mean... You're saving it. bullpen game one and you're going... The opposite yeah. of what I'm saying. Yeah. Understood. I just don't trust Snell in the playoffs. I think this... I watched the first Phillies game... I don't think the Phillies are going to sweep them. I think they're going to sweep them. I think it's going to be Philly. I mean, you like, do we'll not just, want to go into Philadelphia down to them. We'll just jump into the preview now. I think Philly's in six. I, I I just think I think the Padres win game three. Even if the I think the Phillies win the night, go up game two. I think the Padres win game three. I think Musgrove is a significant advantage over called Ranger Suarez. I mean, Suarez walked five or six guys against the Braves in three and a third. I was just lucky to go out unscathed. Um, That's what he does. That is effectively that, that, wild. That is that is Ranger Suarez. Um, and then I think they win game five. I'll go Phillies win game four with Thor in the bullpen versus Clevenger. Game five, Wheeler Darvish is like another two nothing game. Flips the other way. That I think Nola clinches it. Wins the NLCS MVP is the hometown guy. Philadelphia World Series. Very elaborate. Joe Girardi sits at home and wallows in misery. Phillies sweep Harper NLCS MVP. The Harper Machado narrative finally playing out just like the baseball gods wanted it. Uh, before we go into the deep in the playoffs, uh, sort of under the radar. I feel like I didn't hear this reported nearly enough. Um, and fortunately, it's probably been like a year and change since we last talked about a Hall of Famer passing away, um, considering there was a two-month stretch where I think there was like eight. Uh, 
Well, there was like six elite inner circle Hall of Famers. But that just like week after week after week, we were leading yep. the tribute. There was a couple where we did with two. Uh, but Hall of Famer Bruce Suter, uh, the relief pitcher who revolutionized his closing position and the split-fingered fastball, clinched the Cardinals' 82 World Series title 40 years ago. Passed away at the age of 69 on Thursday. Uh, Suter's one of 14 people to have their number retired by the Cardinals and was most recently at Bush Stadium on April 7th for the team's annual opening day uh, festivities this year. He's the first pitcher inducted into the Hall of Fame without having started a game. 300 career saves, 283 ERA over 12 seasons with the Cubs, Cardinals, and Braves. Cy Young Award in 79 while saving 37 games for the Cubs. Uh, he then racked up 36 regular season saves for the World Series champion Cardinals in 82. Tied, uh, he tied the MLB record for saves in a season with 45 and 84 and closed out his 300th career save in September 88 for the Braves. He's most remembered for the iconic moment on October 20th, 1982, when he struck out Brewer slugger Gorman Thomas and caught then caught leaping catcher Daryl Porter in his arms on the mound. Two of them were team, swarmed by teammates uh, and fans in Bush Stadium while celebrating the Cardinals' first World Series title in 15 years. And just like Phil Necro, ironically, uh, for his 300th win, did not throw knuckleball into the last pitch. Uh, Suter used a tailing fastball to strike out Thomas when it was a splitter that helped him helped him become one of the game's most dynamic closers. Uh, does this still throw you off when I say something like the Cardinals and the Brewers met in the World Series? No. You know what it is? It's like, only happened once. There was I, the Brewers my whole life with the Astros. Nah. The thing is, though, we lived to see the Astros as a National League team, so that one yeah, throws me off less. This is like I strictly think of the Brewers as an NL team. I just don't think of the Brewers as a team that makes the World Series. Harsh but fair. <laughs> Suter was on both sides of the Cardinals and Cubs rivalry. So Chicago from 76 to 80. St. Louis from 81 to 84. After compiling 133 saves for the Cubs, uh, he was acquired by Whitey Herzog and the Cardinals uh, in exchange for slugger Leon Duran, Ken Wright, and player to be named later, uh, Ty Waller. Uh, and Suter, missing part of that 82 World Series team, uh, Whitey Herzog said, said that outright. A uh, big part of the Whitey Ball teams. And Suter led the NL teams for four straight seasons and five times in six years in the 80s before joining the Braves as a free agent after the 84 season. Six-time All-Star, four-time of the Rollins Relief Man of the Year. Um, and again, the split-fingered fastball, which we as Yankee fans know it so well from Masahiro Tanaka, you know, that was really Suter's MO. That was his bread and butter. It was Mariano's cutter before Mariano's cutter. Uh, he had 31 saves in the first full season in 77, 27 more in 78. 37 and 79 with a 223 RA to win the Cy Young Award. And um, ironically enough, would have had the record, single season save record for uh, saves in a season with 46, but he failed to convert a save in his final outing of the 84 season, leaving him tied with Dan Quisenberry uh, for 45 saves, which at the time was the record. Uh, Suter still had a 1454 ERA over a career best 122 and two thirds innings that season. Parlaying that performance into a six-year, $9.1 million free agent deal with the Braves. Uh, and I don't think many fans knew. I didn't know this. Suter was Bobby Bonilla before Bobby Bonilla. Uh, he agreed to receive $750 million, or $750 million, Jesus Christ, $1,000 a year in salary with Atlanta. And to further the remainder of the money, with the Braves paying of $1.12 million over a 30-year period, the final installment of $9.1 million was reportedly paid to him in 2021. Do we just not talk about Suter uh, in terms of the finances because it's not the Mets? Probably because it's not the Mets. I looking this over. I miss or I guess I wasn't around for it. A relief, a closer shouldn't be pitching 122 innings. But I love that. Well, it was a different time. I know. I wish that was back. 
Yeah, it, it's a completely different time. Um, and, and I like when relievers win the Cy Young Award. You know, I think Suter is really that guy. You know, when you look at the Baseball Hall of Fame these past few years, um, you know, I think Goose Gossage getting in definitely helped closers, but I think Suter opened the door more so. Because Goose was, you know, really a multi-inning guy. He started for a while. He pitched forever, too. Certainly pitched 13 full seasons in the bigs. I said to you last night when we were looking at his numbers, uh, he, he was effectively done as a pitcher at 33. He gave one more season at 35. Really opened the door for the Trevor Hoffmans, the Lee Smiths, all those guys to get into the Hall of Fame. Actually had a losing record, uh, 68-71. and 71. But, you know, when you think of the iconic closer, Suter's right up there with them. Won um, a ring and really ushered in one of the more iconic and well-used pitches in baseball today. Uh, Hall of Fame, Bruce, Hall of Famer Bruce Suter, gone in 869. Thoughts are with his family, Cubs and Cardinals family at this time. And uh, if you ever want to look up what would be a charter member of the baseball all-beard team, just go look at Bruce Suter. Yep. All right, let's talk playoffs. Um, the division series has come and gone. And we're going to start with the biggest upset of all of them, uh, which was the Dodgers and the Padres. And if you had watched game one, you wouldn't have thought this was heading towards an upset. Uh, the Dodgers' bullpen led the way, tossing four scoreless innings to lead the Dodgers to a 5-3 win over the Padres last Tuesday in Game 1 of the NLDS. After the Dodgers jumped out to a 5-run lead behind Trey Turner's solo homer in the first and a pair of Will Smith doubles, uh, Julio Urias, Urias held the Padres in check for four innings. Uh, but in the fifth, he allowed three runs, but then the Dodgers protected a uh, two-run lead in the sixth. And with the Dodgers protecting a two-run lead in the sixth and the top of the Padres ordered due up, Evan Phillips, who had been the Dodgers reliever, uh, best reliever all season. Um, he struck walked Juan Soto to start the inning. Manny Machado then reached on an infield single, but Josh Bell struck out in an eight-pitch at bat for the first out. Gavin Lux uh, and, Trey, and Trey Turner combined to turn the biggest double play of the season, ending the threat. Alex Garcia got the job done for the Dodgers from there, recording five of the biggest ads of the game, striking out three of the four batters he faced in the seventh. Uh, with Jerks and Profar and Soto do up in the ace, Vasilla went back out. They retired both of them. It's the fifth time this season Vasilla recorded five outs in an outing and following him. Bruce Star Gratterall got Machado to fly out to left on the only pitch he threw. Chris Martin comes out in the ninth to close it out. Not the singer from Coldplay. This is a very tall relief pitcher. Dodgers are up one nothing, um, And I don't know what, what your mentality was, but after this game... I watched this, and to me, it just felt like, okay, same, you know, new postseason, um, same old Dodgers. You know, they're going to go down, they're going to get an early lead, they're going to chip, they're going to get chipped away at, but they're going to protect it, and Urias is going to do just enough to get his team to win. Yeah, again, this is a historically good Dodgers team. There's no reason to have thought anything less than a sweep. They won 111 games. It's the most wins you've seen in, since the 98 Yanks. This is this was an incredible Dodgers team that was supposed to win these two home games. And who started? Was Darvish game one for the Padres, or was he not rest? Oh, no, it was, was Clevenger. Yeah, I mean, this was a game, too. The Dodgers, had they not won, it would have been a bit of a disappointment. Right? I mean, Clevenger is definitely not the guy he was a couple years ago. They jumped out to an early lead. Uh, and Dodgers take care of business in game one. And like you said, at that point, the concept of the sweep was on. And then shortly after, uh, the Padres come back, and they have a 5-3 victory of their own in Dodger Stadium. Um, that was the result in game two. Your boy Manny Machado opens the scoring with a solo home run in the first, tacked on an RBI double in the third. Uh, the game was tied in three after three innings. 
you Darvish uh, versus Clayton Kershaw. Darvish had allowed a trio of solo home runs, uh, but settled in to compete five innings or to complete five innings with the help of an excellent throw from Austin Nolan and nail Mookie Betts stealing in the fifth. Padres took the lead in the sixth on Jerks and Profar's RBI single, but failed to tack on. Um, and then from there, it set up a fateful bottom of the sixth inning, the decisive moment of the game. Uh, Bob Melvin stuck with Darvish, put men on the quarters and nobody out. Uh, nobody out. Robert Suarez, incredible escape bat, struck out Justin Turner, uh, got Gavin Lux to bounce into an inning-ending double play. Suarez gets out of another jam in the seventh. Uh, Drake Cronenworth's eighth-inning moonshot doubled the lead. Josh Hader slammed the door in the ninth. Uh, and this, I think, will be known as the Goose Game. There was a giant goose just hanging in the outfield. Yeah, outfit. that looked like a goose. That that didn't look like a normal animal. That looked like a Goosesaurus Rex. It looked like a goose-turtle hybrid. So uh, the goose was out there. Hater slams the door in the ninth, uh, and it's a 1-1 series at that point. Uh, Kershaw, not great. I think he went five or six innings, gave up three earned runs. Uh, but his 213 postseason strikeouts are now the most in, in MLB history. Justin Verlander will likely pass that today. They're going back and fat fourth, but the six strikeouts in game two did allow him to retake the lead there. The Dodgers in this game became the first team. And this should give you an indication of how lights out the Padres bullpen was. Three home runs, 15-plus base runners, had all nine starters reach base, had eight-plus starters get a hit, and had a base runner in every inning. Um, and no other team in MLB history, not just postseason, but regular season and postseason, had done that in a game and only scored runs. I, I'm not sure there's many Dodgers fans who follow baseball stats, Twitter, like I do, but if I was a Dodgers fan and read that, that's when I start to say, uh, this could be a problem. I know it's only 1-1, but we're heading to a wild Petco Park, and we're just not scoring. Yeah, no, it's the same analysis for the next series. It's If, you, if you're the home team in one of these best of fives and you split the first two, if you're the higher seed and you split them, and you have to go on the road, and have and the other team has a the other team has a shot to close it out at home, and that's what we saw in San Diego. The team, these fans in San Diego and Philadelphia were crazy, and they just kept the momentum going. Game three was Petco Park's uh, first playoff game before fans in 16 years. Place was packed, gold towels waving everywhere. Uh, the Padres responded with a two-thrown victory Friday in Game three against the Dodgers. 45,137 fans in attendance marked the largest crowd at Petco Park for a postseason game. Blake Snell was making his first postseason start against the Dodgers since the infamous quick hook in Game 7 of the 2020 uh, World Series. He was sharp. One run over five and a third innings. Struck out six. Worked his way around traffic. That, to me, just kind of sounds like Blake Snell. Sharp for like five and a third to six innings. Like, you kind of know what you're going to get at this point. Uh, when Max Muncy doubled with one out in the sixth, Snell's night was done. Exited to a standing O, and his bullpen finished the job. Padres relief corps relief corps continues a dominant run with three and two thirds scores frames uh, and through those first three games and not allowed a run in twelve and two third innings. Uh, Jake Cronenworth's RBI single gave San Diego a one nothing advantage in the first. Trent Grisham's solo shot is postseason leading at the time third home run double that in the fourth. Uh, Dodgers scored their only run on a Mookie Betts sack fly half an inning later. They threatened later in the game but did not score. Finishing night zero for nine with runners in scoring position. Petco Park was ready to go. Um, I, I think the big takeaways from this Padres postseason run is, one, and I think this is clear to anyone who follows baseball like me and you, but maybe not to the general public, their starting pitching is really good and probably didn't get enough love from analysts coming into the playoffs. I, I mean, you Darvish at 36 has is in that weird in-between phase, I would say, where his stuff is still ridiculous, but he's also taken the Andy Pettit route of, like, pitchability. He's, he's the... 
I mean, he's probably the ace in that. I would go a Darvish, Musgrove, Snell, one, two, three in this pattern. That's, that's an unbelievable one, two, three. Yeah, no, that's as good as it. Yeah, it's, you don't get much better than that one, two, three. And I think as you're going to see in this game four recap, um, the Padres at the end of the day, the postseason is won and lost on the margins. And what I mean by that, it's it, a lot of it comes down to whose team stars are going to play the best, and then if not that, whose team's uh, players on the periphery are going to step up. And by that, I mean Trent Grisham. Trent Grisham, I think, hit 200 in the regular season. Um, he looked at the most strikes in the regular season of any player in baseball. Three home runs. And three big home runs, too. Not like meaningless A-Rod 2006 postseason home runs. Um, Jake Cronenworth. I don't know why you had to give him a drive-by do a drive-by to A-Rod there. He, well, because unfortunately, he is what I think of when I think of meaningless postseason home runs. You should have said Ripton. Costner's too busy banging his wife. So I guess everything matters. Everything matters. Uh, and a guy like Jake Cronenworth, who is kind of jack-of-all-trades guy, has stepped up so big, always good defensively. Um, and his game-winning two-run single off of Alex Vesia kept a stunning 5-1 rally in the seventh inning that propelled the Dodgers to a wild five or Padres to a wild five-three win over the Dodgers. Game four of the NLDS Saturday and sending the Do- uh, Padres to their first NLCS in 24 years. Uh, the year you were born. Good year. Cronenworth delivered the knockout. Well, Yankees won 114 games. Cronenworth delivered the knockout blow against the 111-win Dodgers, stabbing a 3-3 tie with a two-strike, two-out single to center field, bringing home the decisive runs and sparked bedlam throughout the gas, oh, gas lamp quarter. I was like, what the hell is that word? Uh, after being shut out through the first six innings, Padres' offense began to stir in the seventh, thanks to the table-setting efforts at the bottom of, the, uh, bottom of their lineup. Jerks and Profar drew a leadoff walk. Trent Grisham singled to put runners on the corner for Austin Nola. Chopped the bouncer that deflected off the glove of first baseman Freddie Freeman for an RBI single to cut the lead to 3 1. Uh, ha Sung Kim followed with an RBI double before Juan Soto tied the game with another single to right. That brought up Cronenworth, who stepped up to the plate against Yancy Almonte with runners on the corners and two outs. Cronenworth initially showed bump before pulling back and taking a 97-mile-per-hour fastball for a ball. After one pitch from Almonte, Dave Roberts emerged from the dugout and made a mid-at-bat pitching change, summoning Vesia to face the left-handed hitting Cronenworth. Uh, Vesia inherited a 1-0 count, evened it to 1-1 with the fastball in the outside corner. That was called a strike. Uh, Cronenworth fouled off another heater to get to two strikes before taking Vesia's next pitch for a ball. Soto stole second, getting into scoring position without a throw. Cronenworth came through on the next pitch, lining a hanging slider to score Kim and Soto, put the Padres ahead by two. Uh, Cronenworth pumped his fist. Hater shut him, shut him down in the ninth. And this, I don't think, is being talked about a month enough. There was a communicate clear, a clear communication error here. How do the Dodgers not, if they want Vesia in for this at-bat, have him in at the start of the at-bat? Yeah, that makes no sense to me. It's not getting talked about nearly enough how much they shit the bed on this. Well, I think it's just uh, all the talk is how they just generally shat the bed. You don't really need to be specific in their bed shitting. That is uh, that is totally it's fair. It's like what we talked about this back in June. And now as we say farewell to the Dodgers, I mean, you and I had spoken, does Roberts keep his job? I, If I was running the Dodgers right now, I would look for a new manager. I would replace Dave Roberts. I think he's – this is a World Series or bust team. and All this does, too, is show how much of the 2020 playoff bubble yeah, no. World Series was cookie cutter. Yeah, no. It's, it's, Mickey Mouse. Mickey he's Mouse got the, the Mickey Mouse bubble. Like, team. I don't consider the NBA bubble – like, everyone complains about yeah. the LeBron championship. I, that, to me, 
whatever. Like, did they get extra rest? Sure, but... They had three months off in the middle of the season. That is an incredibly Mickey Mouse title. Yeah, go LeBron. Um, but no, I agree with you. I, I I don't know how it looks. And again, I do think Andrew Friedman is incredibly loyal to Dave Roberts. But, you know, you look at, you look at what they've done specifically since 2019. You won the World Series in 2020. You get bounced by the Braves last year. You won 111 games this year. Don't make it out of the first round. Um, 2019, you don't make it out of the DS. You get bounced by the Nationals. 2018, you lose in the World Series. 2017, you lose in the World Series. This has been the best team in baseball for 10 years, and they have one ring. I guess the really the only comparison I can add to this is the Bobby Cox Braves only winning the one World Series. Um, but, but even the Braves, they ran up against another dynasty in the Yankees. They lost two more to a dynasty Yankee team. And I feel like they got to more. I mean, they were in a 91, I mean, they were 90, 91, 91, 95, 96, 96 99. 99. So four and a nine-year stretch. I guess these Dodgers. I guess the only cat, the difference would be this one Dodgers ring is Mickey Mouse. So looking ahead to the Dodgers offseason, um, what does this look like now? Are, do we think they're going to go Steve Cohen and... Now that they lost, just keep retooling. Because even for a team like the Dodgers, eventually the money has to run out. I don't know what they're... I think it's bring back Trey. Just open it up for Trey and try and run it back with this quarter. And I think that's the last true superstar you re-sign. Trey, Mookie, and Freddie in the middle of the lineup. And that's then you, when Urias is due, you just do Yeah, Urias. you pay Urias. Maybe you can get a discount on Bueller now that he got the Tommy John surgery for the second time in his career. You know, look, they had some interesting decision to make to, to in-house. I, I think this postseason showed – I think the Craig Kimbrell experiment when they made the trade was a great trade, uh, and we praised it. I think they need to go get a, you know, bona fide closer. I, I do think they will be in on Edwin Diaz for sure. Um, and then if you're the Dodgers, the two most interesting pieces to me is they hold player options on two players. Uh, one, Justin Turner, the veteran, and two, Cody Bellinger. Um, what do you think? Do you think they're both back in Dodger blue? Turner – Bad first half, but really rebounded the second half to have another, you know, solid Justin Turner, like 15 homer, 80-something RBI year. To me, he's the leader of that team and has been since he came over to the Mets, so I think you bring him back. I know Bellinger's got all the upside in the world, but if you're not going to play him in a playoff series, save yourself the $18 million and throw it towards Trey Turner. Just cut him loose. It's hard, but it's like with the – and again, not apples to apples, but it's like what the Yankees did with Gary. At a certain point, a guy's just not going to hit that potential again. You just got to let him go. Yeah, I mean, I think Turner's over the hill, but Bellinger could... They're going to get priced out of Bellinger. Bellinger's not worth the contract that he's most likely going to get. I wonder, and what does that contract even look like, though? Uh, under 100. I, oh, I think well under well 100. Under I think 100. he's got to take at least one proof of deal. I mean, I think he, the difference between, like, a lot of people were talking about on Twitter, Yelich versus Bellinger, and it's like, Yelich at least has gotten hurt. Like, a, a knee injury is his knee injury. That... Screws you up bad, knee and shoulder. Bellinger hasn't even... I mean, he had the shoulder injury, but recovered. This is a guy that, based on his first three years, if you were projecting out on zips, like, he's a guy who's going to go on to be a first bout Hall of Famer. And I think his average since then is below 200, compositely. Yeah, they, the Bellinger time is done. Maybe he goes to the Angels. We haven't sent any hitters to the Angels in a while. It's just unbelievable how it all went down. All right, let's talk Yankees-Guardians. Uh, the only series in the wild card round... To go five games. Uh, game one, 4 1 win at Yankee Stadium. Garrett Cole delivered on the big stage. Four hits, eight strikeouts over six in the third innings, only allowed one run. Harrison Bader and Anthony Rizzo homered in the win for the Yankees. 
Um, and the evening got off to a bit of a shaky start for Cole. For Cole. Stephen Kwan's third inning home run uh, sparked a string of heavy traffic on the base path. Hit by pitch and a double created trouble as Josh Naylor reached on a fielder's choice. Um, but with the bases loaded, Cole did not repeat his Fenway Park disaster. Deuced to fielder's choice that struck out Andre Jimenez to get end the threat. Bader homered off of Cal Quantrill in the home half of the third to make a one run. It was first, his first long ball and pinstripe. Cole enjoyed an eight-pitch fourth inning and began to cruise, taking stress off an injury depleted bullpen. New York grabbed the lead in the fifth. Uh, Josh Donaldson thought he homered on the short porch in right field that inning, but the ball hit near the top of the fence and ricocheted back in the play. Donaldson was tagged out at first base, but then IKF followed up with a single. Vance the third on an error by right fielder Oscar Gonzalez and then scored on a Jose Trevino sack fly. Rizzo extends the lead in the sixth with a two-run home run in the second deck in right field, knocking out Cal Quantrill, who had not lost since July 5th, a span of 117 regular season starts. Cole's 101st pitch was his last of the evening. Uh, it was whacked by Miles Straw for a single off IKF's glove, but Wandy Peralta to ice the rally. Uh, Clay Holmes then polished off the ninth inning for his first postseason save. Um, and this was how the Yankees drew it up. Big home runs. And Garrett Cole, look, I know the Fenway Park start was an unmitigated disaster. Um, and it sucked that we lost to Boston. But I'm done with the narrative of Garrett Cole's not an ace. You look back in the 2020 bubble. No, Garrett Cole's an Nobody said he's not an ace. He's a big game pitcher, too. I, I'm done with this narrative. Game one in Tampa, 2020, we win. Comes back on short rest in game five. I think he went six, five and a third, six that, and a third. Again, that's not the, the debate with Cole isn't if he's an ace. It's if he's in the upper stratosphere of aces. And he's. I think he is. I think this series proved it. Uh, Look at the guys we consider an upper stratosphere of ace. Max Scherzer, rocked. Jacob DeGrom was good. Cole was better in both of his starts. I mean, who else? Urias gave up three runs. His team got bounced. Verlander. Verlander, Verlander gave up six out. runs. His team got bounced. I'm just, I'm like, again, you're talking about a smaller sample size of his one series, his two starts this series. You got to look at the big picture on the season. This big, this whole season, Cole was not an ace. Cole was not a Cy Young contender throughout the season. I just, I'm done with the narrative. The guy delivers when he needs to deliver. Led the league in strikeouts. I get it. He's been prone to the long ball, but so is Justin Verlander. Again, Verlander was obviously much better than Cole this year. But Verlander's had a sub two. He had the third best ERA ever. Look, there's some pitchers that are just going to be prone to the long ball, and if they can work around, then it's fine. And I think Cole is that guy. Um, shout out to Rizzo, so clutch, the leader this team needed. Um, and shout out to Harrison Bader. Uh, honestly, fuck Jordan Montgomery, talking shit about us on the way out, and. Uh, at the end of the day, you know what? Maybe your ERA was so good those first couple weeks because you went for pitching in the AL East to pitching against the Reds, the Cubs, and the Pirates. Good luck in the National League. We will take Bader. I don't know why there's so much animosity towards Montgomery. Montgomery was good. We like Montgomery. And there was no animosity until he started talking shit about us. And then once he got out of the NL Central and had to face real National League lineups, Jordan Montgomery pitched like Jordan Montgomery did at Yankee Stadium. Go to game two, because I want I have a Jordan Montgomery point to bring up for game two. Game two um, took 10 innings for the Guardians. He got a win, but it was a 4-2 win for Cleveland Friday over the Yankees on Oscar Gonzalez's bloop single uh, in game two. This game was supposed to be Thursday. Got rained out. Uh, credit to Major League Baseball on this one, though. They at least did call it early. Called it about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I was bummed because I was on a flight to Los Angeles the next day. Alas, could not go to the game. Uh, team was able to chip away in the early frame, scoring on an Andres Jimenez single to right in the fourth, and an Ahmed Rosario solo homer in the fifth. Yanks got up early against Shane Beamer up with a Giancarlo Stanton 
Uh, Two-run home run in the first inning. Uh, the bullpen continued to mow down their opponents for Cleveland as it's done the entire postseason. Uh, and then in the 10th inning, Jose Ramirez uh, dropped a soft double to shallow left to lead off the frame. 76.3 mile per hour exit velo, 90 expected batting average. And when his Waldo Cabrera failed to make the slide and catch, Josh Donaldson picked up the ball, fired at the second, overthrew the bag, and Ramirez was able to hustle to third. And with no one out and Ramirez at third, Oscar Gonzalez just needed to put the ball in play. Made weak contact on a 1-2 curveball from James Tyon. 58.9 exit velo, uh, but it found the grass in right field. Easily scoring Ramirez to give Cleveland the lead. Uh, after Gonzalez's walk-off home run in Game 2 of the Wild Card Series last weekend, uh, his two go-ahead hits are tied with Burt Camperness uh, for the second most in a single postseason, trailing just David Ortiz. Josh Naylor gave the, uh, the Guardians a breathing room with an RBI double from there, uh, following Gonzalez's clutch hit, and Emmanuel Classe didn't need any breathing room worked a career high two and a third innings, two and a third scoreless innings to secure the win. Um, Yankees again, they get to be really that two run homer. That was all they had. Um, See, this is where it would have been good to have Montgomery. Yeah, I mean, look, Nestor was fine, five solid innings, five and change. Um, to me, again, you you texted me right away about it. I was at a cocktail hour for this wedding, but. I get that you want to go to a three-man rotation, especially the way the series was originally supposed to line up where you could go Cole, Nestor, Seve, Cole, Nestor on short rest in Game 5, which is what ended up happening anyway. Um, but Jamison Tyone is a starter. And it's not like he's yes. Domingo Herman, who's pitched out of the pen and who started and has been a flexible. Jamison's a starter. Jamison Tyone started 30-plus times here for the Yankees. Under no circumstance should he have been the guy to get the ball in the 10th inning, coming out of the bullpen for the first time all year. I don't get why, if you're going to do this, why don't you just, why don't you practice this down the stretch? The Yankees were locked into the AL East. They were locked into two seats since September. If he's going to pitch out of the bullpen in the playoffs, have him pitch out of the bullpen the regular season. Yeah, especially when you have Clark Schmidt. Yeah, You have Clark Schmidt sitting there waiting to go. You have Lucas Lukey there waiting to go. Like, you had real relief pitchers. It wasn't like this was like a... 12-13 inning affair where there were where's the bullpen left. You had guys who have been in the inner circle. Yeah, this one's on boom. Yep. Um, very frustrating loss there. And then he moved to game three, and this is where as a Yankee fan, I'll admit, I was starting to get a little bit nervous. Um, the Guardians hadn't been able to deliver a timely hit all night. They had stranded nine runners on base. Um, but late, a single from Miles Straw on a miscue in left field uh, proceeded a bloop single from Stephen Kwan. Uh, Ahmed Rosario followed with an RBI single through the left side of the infield before another soft single by Oscar Gonzalez um, set the stage for him to be the hero with a walk-off two-run single up the middle to give the Guardians a 6-5 victory over the Yankees in Game 3 of the ALDS. Um, I don't know if you saw the replay on that. Clark Schmidt came very close to making an all-time catch to end the game behind his back. Obviously, he did not, and it means nothing in the grand scheme of things, but good effort by Clark Schmidt. Uh, Gonzalez has owned these moments all postseason. It was his third walk-off hit. He had the go-ahead RBI single in the right field in the top of the hell to help give Cleveland its first win over New York. Uh, that was on Friday. Saturday, he did it again, smacking a 1-2 slider off Clark Schmidt up the middle, scored two runs to secure the win. Only six players in postseason history have three go-ahead hits in the ninth inning or later. Uh, Oscar Gonzalez, Pete Rose, David Ortiz, J.D. Drew, Correa, and ironically enough, uh, Cody Bellinger. <laughs> um, only Gonzalez and Ortiz have come in the same postseason. And the Yankees have been 167-0 in postseason history when leading by multiple runs uh, in the ninth inning to quarter ESPN stats and info. The Guardians were 0-41 in those situations. Uh, for the Yankees, Judge, Bader, and Oswaldo Cabrera all hit home runs. I was watching this game at a wedding. I was giving updates. I have a video that's actually quite sad 
um, of me and all the Yankee fans. It's a live reaction video of all, all of us when you see this game in and just going, ugh. You can see me just look away and immediately beeline towards the bar. Um, this was this to me, look, game two kind of was what it was. You know, Stanton hits a two-run homer. Then we just don't score. If you're going to score only two runs, even with Bieber on the mound, I don't know how many games you're going to win, uh, especially with the state of our bullpen. This game, though, I mean, Judge, Bader, uh, three guys hit home runs. Uh, Judge and Oswaldo, both two of the two-run variety, and you're up 5-3. This is a must-win game. And, and I'll be honest, I woke up Sunday saying, look, I know we have Garrett on the mound, but I don't feel great about how this series has gone. No, I mean, it was an elimination game on the road. You don't want that. Yeah, you never want that. That's, that's totally that. fair. Which brought us to Game 4, uh, and Bader delivered again with the Yankees staring down elimination, found the seats for the fourth time in the series, hammering the first pitch he saw from Cal Quantrill in the second inning. 429-foot blast to left field. Uh, and the two-run bomb proved to be decisive as the Yankees won up 4-2 in Game 4. Bader's numbers after that at bat against Cal Quantrill, Cal Quantrill uh, were, I think, 5-6 for six with four home runs. Uh, so Bader should a little minimum send Cal Quantrill a Christmas card. Uh, Bader is the first Yankee with three or more home runs in a single postseason series since Stanton hit four in the 2020 ALDS versus the Rays. Rizzo had an RBI single off of Quantrill. Stanton had a six-inning sack five facing Eli Morning, uh, Morgan. And in the seventh, Garrett Cole pumped his 110th and final pitch of the night through the strike zone, celebrating his eighth strikeout with a fist bump and a primal roar. Clay Holmes and Wani Peralta split the last six outs. Uh, Cole is now one of three active pitchers with 10 or more postseason wins, joining Verlander and Kershaw. Struck out 127 batters, threw his first post 16 postseason games, the most all-time. Uh, for the Guardians, a run scored on a Jose Ramirez RBI single in the third, and a Josh Naylor homer in the fourth, where he had a rock the baby celebration going around the bases, uh, which Cole said was cute. Uh, all told, Cole went seven innings, allowed two earned runs. Uh, and his 2-8-1 ERA is the sixth lowest postseason ERA by the start by a starter in the wild card era in the postseason. Um, so that just backs up my Garrett Cole point before. Cole is uh, a weird dude. Yeah, he definitely might be a little spectrumy. I don't think you could say that. I I stand by it. Cole is not Cole's not a very vocal leader. I you know what what he reminds me of? He's almost like. He almost reminds me of Granky. He's yeah, he's got a little Granky to him. Who I also think might be a bit on the autism spectrum, but uh, regardless, I just think they're those guys. They're very you know cerebral pitchers. Um, but I think with Garrett Cole, the one really cool thing is, and you saw it after this start. This guy, to his credit, for good or for bad, he cares so much about being a Yankee. Um, he does take the role of a Yankee ace very seriously. And you can just see at the end of the day, same with Bader. These are just guys who grew up Yankee fans like me and you. Difference is they're really good at baseball and get to live out their dream. Yeah. I mean, again, Cole, I was down on him earlier. But there's a reason Cole has all this money. Yep. The debate isn't whether or not Cole is bad. It's whether or not he's the alpha in the league or just one of the great pitchers. And you know what? I'm okay with the being one of the great pitchers. The alpha in the league, it's a tough... That's a tough mantle to get. Not with the money we're paying. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll figure out spider Tech again soon. Uh, Josh Naylor, you screwed up, dude. You hit that home run that didn't even put your team up. You were still down one, and all you did was ignite the Yankees in their fan base. Guardian scored one run after that. Um, and then in Game 5 yesterday, 
you know, just because of the way the Yankees have played this year, this game was over after the first inning. Yeah. And then it was just kind of like, hold your breath and wait. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton, a first inning laser. I, I, this game is over before it started. Francona messed up. Sure. All right, so we'll just jump right into that. I mean, Terry Francona, I know Shane Bieber has never started on three days rest. Um, but neither has Nestor Cortez. And not for nothing, if Nestor Cortez could do it, and I know Nestor is Nestor the lefty, but Bieber, you're talking about a Cy Young winner and a bona fide ace, a true number one. You have to give him the ball. Instead, he gave it to Aaron Savali, who was the presumed game four, five starter uh, before there was a rainout. And I'm going to circle back to that in a second because, boy, do I have some grievances to air. Um, and when they asked why Savali over Bieber, Terry kind of just said, because. And that yeah, was dumb. That was dumb. That you, game was over at that point. You shouldn't have done that. And this game took place about 21 hours as it's supposed to. It was supposed to take place 7 o'clock Thursday or Monday night. And it rained. And it definitely rained. Rob Manfred, you should be fucking ashamed of yourself with how you handled this and how you treated fans. I get it. You want to put fans in seats. You want to get concessions two days in a row. And at the end of the day, for me, it's like I had to take off time from work, but I don't really care. I live in Manhattan. I walk 15 minutes to the Ford train at the stadium 20 minutes later. But to the fans who brought kids from New Jersey, from Westchester, from Connecticut, from Long Island, who then not only couldn't take their kids the next day, but the adults who were then stuck with the tickets because they couldn't get off work, and in addition, then couldn't sell the tickets because the game was at 4 o'clock, so other people couldn't get off work. It's just brutal to do this to Yankee fans twice in one series, and the difference between this and Game 2, Game 2, to their credit, I said this earlier, you called it. You called it hours before you gave people time to figure it out. The Yankees tweeted at 6.35 that they would reevaluate if this game was going to be played on time at 7 o'clock. We did not get another update at all until 9.40 when they canceled the game, at which point fans have been in the Bronx for hours and hours and hours. And even when that happened, Buster Only and Joel Sherman tweeted it out, and the Yankees did not announce to the fans for a full 10 minutes later. I know as a baseball fan, I know ownership doesn't give a shit about me. I know that. I know the owners in general don't give a shit about me. I know that. But this entire season, starting with the lockout and going to something like that last night, has only rehammered in my mind they don't care that people love the game of baseball. It is all about dollars and cents and absolutely nothing else. I mean, you were at the island. I don't know how the weather was like. I was in Canada. The joke of it all was when they called the game at 9.45, it was the first time it stopped raining in three hours. The skies were clear. It's like at that point, if you were waiting until 9.50, what's the difference between a 9.50 and a 10.05 start? And I, I don't know. I, I feel like they wanted to get the game in. The ideal thing would have been get this game in. On yeah, Just an embarrassment how they handled it. Um, and credit to the Atlanta Braves, who when they had a rain delay, they gave all their fans up until first pitch 50% off on all non-alcoholic products. The Yankees would rather lose a playoff series than get to do that for their fans. It's a business. It's an absolute joke. Anyway, I was back in the stadium yesterday. Standing three-run homer in the first. Inning later, Judge hits a home run. Found the TV camera and celebrated by kissing the interlocking NY of his pinstripe jersey. Uh, Judge and Stan and the Yankees improved to, I believe, 27-2 and when they homer in the same game. Uh, and all told, the Yankees... Ended the Guardian season with a 5-1 win in Game 5 of the ALDS. Nestor on short rest. 
Five innings of one-run ball after starting on three days rest for just the second time in his big league career. Uh, he scattered just three hits, one of which was a third-inning pop-up that fell when Oswaldo Cabrera collided with Aaron Hicks. Hicks had a knee injury. He's out for the year at this point. Uh, otherwise, Cortez was efficient and magnificent, allowing only a sack fly from Jose Ramirez. Uh, and after an eight-pitch first inning, Cortez received near-immediate support as Cleveland's Aaron Savali recorded just one out, serving up standards, three-run blast. The solo shot for Judge came in the second inning off of Sam Hentges, uh, and it marked the fourth time that Judge and Stanton have homered in the same postseason game the most ever by a pair of Yankee teammates. Rizzo put the bubbly on ice with the fifth-inning RBI single, helping send the Yankees to their 18th ALCS and their third trip in the past six seasons, also in 17-19 and 19 against the Astros. Judge's second-inning home run was the second long ball of the series and his fourth career home run in a winner-takes-all postseason game, the most in Major League history. Uh, Stanton now has 11 home runs in his first 23 postseason games, tying Carlos Beltran for the most all-time. Uh, Yanks are the first postseason team in MLB history to win a best-of-five or longer series despite not having more than six hits in any game uh, and 10-plus home runs in a 15-game span in a postseason. Stanton, Tomei, Babe Ruth, 11 home runs in 23 career postseason games for the Yankees, 162-game pace of 77 home runs. Stanton brings it. This is a big game player. Stanton's my favorite player on the team. This is a big game player. I mean, he came over from Miami. He said he wants to win. He's delivered time and time again in the playoffs. And he should have four more home runs if it wasn't for the Green Monster. Yeah, I don't want to talk about that. Uh, credit to the Yanks, man. They took care of business. I mean, this should have been a shutout. If Aaron Hicks just, you know, runs off on his wall, they'll call the ball. No run score. Whatever. Hope Hicks knee recovers. Obviously, you don't want an injury for a player ever. Yanks move on to play Houston. Um, and this Guardians team, all I'm going to say is, I, I know this was a special year. I don't think they're going anywhere, though. I think this, this team. This was, they, I think this maxed. team's built to last. I think they maxed their potential this year. They need another move. I, think, I don't know how many years left Francona has. I think Francona is their best asset, and he's not around. Well, I think they do have the chips to push in and try to make a trade, but that's not their mo. I just I look at this team. You got Bieber and McKenzie top the rotation for the foreseeable future. The bullpen is so lights out, um, and I'm a believer in some of these young guys, Stephen Quam. Uh, Jimenez, obviously you have Jose Ramirez long-term. You know, Naylor, Naylor got the Who's Your Daddy treatment last night, but I do think he's a solid middle-of-the-order bat. I just think keep your mouth shut and don't incite any fan bases. But great series. I, I mean, if you're the Guardians, Terry said it best. We would have signed up, no questions asked, to be taking the Yankees to Game 5 of the ALDS. Nothing to be ashamed of if you're a Guardians fan. Great season there. Uh, and another team whose season ended prematurely like the Dodgers in the National League. Uh, where the Atlanta Braves and the Phillies came out in Game 1 last Tuesday and absolutely set the tone in a 7-6 win for these series. Uh, for this series. Uh, in the first inning, the Phillies strung together four consecutive two-out singles against Max Fried to take a 2-0 lead. Fried's throwing error on Harper's. Bryce Harper's first sacrifice bought in 381 days, but the two more runs in the third to make it 4-1. Nick Cassianos went 3-for-3. Three three, had a two-out single to left in the fourth, his third hit in four innings, to extend the lead to 6-1. Juan Segura's double, Matt Vierling's sack bunt, and Edmundo Sosa's sack fly in the set fifth made it 7-1. Phillies finished 5-12 with the runners in scoring position after telling only two hits with the runners in scoring position in the wild card series. Uh, five of their seven runs in the NLDS opener scored with two outs. Um, and they played good D. I mean, Ranger Suarez loaded the bases in the first. Sosa turned in getting a double play there. Vierling ran down a fly ball with runners on first and second, only one out in the fifth behind Brad Hand. Um, then in the ninth, 
Philly carried a 7-3 lead in the ninth before Zach Eflin allowed a three-run home run to Matt Olsen to cut the lead to one. I was heading out towards the Yankee game, and I stayed with you, and I was like, oh, this just got interesting. Um, Willa Contreras then stroked an 0-2 cutter down and away to right field. Uh, Nick Castellanos, who was not known for his glove, pursued, uh, but he made a great sliding catch to preserve the lead there. Travis Darno grounds out to Sosa to end the game. Um, and again, these are the games that typically the Phillies would lose. Close games that go to the bullpen. Credit to them for getting to Freed early. Uh, Freed hadn't allowed more than four runs in any of his last 29 starts, which was the third highest active streak for a true starter. Um, and this was when the Phillies came out and we looked at each other and we were like, oh, this momentum is real. This could be real interesting. Yeah, I'm actually going to change my pick to Phillies in five against the Padres. I forgot that Brad Hand's on this team. He'll, he'll lose one. Oh, yeah. Tough, tough love for Brad Hand, but I'm not saying I 100% disagree. Um, game two, to the Braves' credit, swung the momentum back in a true Braves 3 nothing win. Uh, Kyle Wright, only baseball player this year to win 20 games, finished 21-5, and five, I believe. Um, he led the Dodgers to the win last Wednesday at Truist Park. Looked like a seasoned vet. I uh, limit the Phillies to two hits, one walk over six gross innings. There was a rain delay of two hours and 55 minutes, and Wright stayed zeroed in, locked in. Matt Olson, Austin Riley, and Travis Darnot had three consecutive two-out RBI singles that doomed Zach Wheeler uh, in the fifth inning of what was otherwise a dominant start. Excuse me, the sixth inning. Curveball was looking great for Wright. Um, he used that pitch to help set up an inning and a strikeout of Brandon Marsh on a fastball with Bryce Harper on third in the second. Uh, all told... Uh, Kyle Wright pitched 25 innings with the Phillies this year. He allowed only 10 hits total, two of them tonight. Uh, again, Wheeler pitched great. They were just It was the same thing as Freed in Game 1. Just two out, timely hitting. That doomed Wheeler. Kyle Wright delivered. Uh, and then when it was 1-1, it was okay. This could really go either way. Um, but like you said, Citizens Bank Park in Philadelphia hadn't had a playoff game in 11 years. 2011. The last time the Phillies hosted a playoff game for context, the game ended with Franchise legend Ryan Howard's career effectively ending with the torn Achilles. With the torn Achilles, um, the day Steve Jobs died. Huh? Steve Jobs died that day. Is that true? Yeah. So everybody, in honor of Steve Jobs, pulled out their iPhones uh, and they witnessed a moment eleven years in the making. Uh, Reese Hoskins absolutely demolishing a fastball for a three-run homer. Bryce Harper also home run. Aaron Nola, big game pitcher, uh, and the Braves got their asses kicked. Phillies won 9-1 in Game 3 Friday. Uh, Nola allowed one unearned, unearned run in six-plus innings, the only one he's allowed in 12 and two-thirds innings in the postseason. He sent the Phillies to the bottom of the third with a scoreless tie. Brandon Marsh, leadoff walk against Spencer Strider, was making his first start to September 18th. Steve Jobs had two days earlier. Well, I'll give it to you. Uh, Bryson Scott fouled off four pitches in the nine-pitch at bat that ended with a double the right to make it 1-0. Crowd roared. roared. Uh, Strider intentionally walked Kyle Schwarber, uh, who later snapped the postseason hitless streak. The funeral was the seventh. All right, enough Steve Jobs. That spanned 35 plate appearances. Uh, And again, the Braves wanted Strider to face Hoskins, who was 0 for 10 with seven strikeouts in his career against them, uh, against Strider, and 1 for 19 with seven strikeouts in the postseason. (coughs) Also made a costly error in the Braves' 3 0 victory in game two. Uh, Strider, first pitch fastball, 93.8 miles per hour. Hoskins hits it out for a three-run home run. Uh, it wasn't even a bat toss. It was a bat spike. Gronk spiked the bat, raised his arms, uh, touched first base, and sprinted around the bases. Real Muto singled against Strider, who finally left the game. Dylan Lee enters to face Harper, who crushed a first-pitch fastball to make it a 6-0 with a two-run homer. 
Crowd went wild. Um, again, this game will be remembered for the Hoskins home run, but to me, Aaron Ola, the hometown ace, six innings, uh, no earned runs in the wild card round, or in this game, he allowed one unearned run. Six and a two thirds innings to clinch the wild card series with no earned run there. Six and a two thirds, no runs to clinch the series, uh, to clinch the playoffs against the Astros. This guy delivered, and again, I mentioned it before, the big bats deliver. Harper home run, Hoskins home run, Schwarber gets on base. It's a recipe to do well. Phillies are one through seven. I love their one through seven in the lineup. I mean, this Phillies team, they under they underperformed in the regular season. This is a really good baseball team. This baseball team should be in the NLCS. Like they have a roster that makes you think. Well, they were certainly constructed to win now, for yes. sure. Uh, and that brings us to game four. Game near, never really felt close. Phillies beat the Braves Saturday to clinch 8-3. Uh, it's their first trip back to the NLCN since 2010. They blasted going back to Cali in the dugout. Then they sang Dancing on My Own. I sang that at the wedding that night. It was a pretty beautiful rendition, if I may say so myself. Were you dancing on your own? No, I was dancing with a big group of people. Um which was good. Made me feel important. <laughs> um, Phillies midseason acquisitions come through. Brandon Marsh had a three-run home run in the second. Noah Syndergaard started for the first time since October 1st. Struck out three and allowed one run in three innings. JT Real Muto hit an inside-the-park home run in the third to make it 4-1. Um, first inside-the-park home run ever for a catcher. And then Andrew Belletti, Broadhand, Jose Alvarado, Zach Eflin, and Sir Anthony Dominguez recorded the team's final 18-ounce. Dominguez struck out the side swinging to end the game. Phillies won 87 games to clinch MLB's 12th and final postseason berth, uh, but they upset a Braves team that won 101 games, marking this the fifth largest regular season wins upset in postseason history. Um, JT Realmuto again with that walk-off home run against Michael, or that ricocheted away from Michael Harris, the second in center field. It was just the 18th inside the park home run in history and the first since Devers uh, in 2017. Harper delivered all postseason long. 8 for 16, 2 home runs, 5 RBIs, 4 runs in the NLDS. I think if you're the Braves fan, you went back much earlier than you expected. But at the end of the day, you look at this pitching staff. Freed got sick down the stretch. Strider was hurt. Morton's a little bit old. Um, but I know I just said that about the Guardians. I truly mean it with the Braves. If you're a Braves fan, you're going to be back. The Braves, I, the Braves should be back. They are all locked up. The core is locked up. Uh, I don't know about enough about Atlanta to... I'm sure there's a large percentage of Atlanta fans that think we have another. This is just going to be the 90s part two. Oh, in terms of not winning. Yeah. But they will be in contention for the next decade. Yeah, I mean, the the young offensive core is locked up. Even on the pitching side of things, Morden's obviously getting a bit older. But next year is when you can finally transition between uh, Freed, Wright and Mort- uh, Freed Wright and Strider to Charlie Morden being your true fourth starter. Um and then if you get anything out of Mike Soroka, and look, I'm sure you and I are, brave, are not experts in the Braves farm system. I'm sure they got three top pitching prospects ready to come up because that's what the Braves have done the past 40 years. They probably do. I would. Say, I mean, they are probably. If you wanted to go on Bovada and place a World Series bet every year, the Braves are probably your safest bet every year for the next decade. Yep. I just hope they get one. Yep, totally with you. Which brings us to our last series: Astros Mariners. Um, and, and this sounds weird to say, so tell me if you think there's a better way to articulate it, but I don't think a team has ever looked as good in a sweep in postseason history from what you and I have seen. They've never looked as good? 
getting like I've never seen a team a that more had a more a more competitive sweep. I would say is the better way to describe it. Yes, I mean, which is another way of saying they should have won Game One and Game Two, but they should have won Game Three too. Damn, maybe the Mariners should have swept the Astros. Uh, game one, we were watching this. Um, the, I mean, Verlander gave up six runs. Now six runs was, and ten hits in four innings. I mean, the, it's a lot of the rhetoric we were using to describe the other series. We can just translate over to this game one. Which is, if you have the ace that blows up, you have to take your opportunity. This is a, that, It's a must-win game. If you can get to Verlander and you're Seattle, you have to win this game. And then again... Why is Robbie Ray coming in the bullpen? All right, so let's pause for a second before we get to that. So the Mariners jumped on Verlander for six runs, ten hits, and four innings. They took a 7-3 lead on a Eugenio Suarez homer in the seventh. At that point, they had a 98% win probability when Jerry Pena lied out to start the eighth. But Houston just started to chip, chip, chip away. Uh, Bregman hits a two-run homer, which sets the stage for the ninth inning. Jeremy Pena slapped a two-strike, two-out single to center field. Keep the Astros' hopes alive. Um, at that point, the Astros are down what? 7-5 or 7-6? Uh, I don't remember. Okay, so they're down They're down 7-5, and there's three guys on base. Um, and Jordan Alvarez off of Robbie Ray crushed, and we do say, like, I know the word crush gets overused, crushed the second pitch he saw into the upper deck. Three-run homer, stunning 8-7 come from behind, went over the Mariners. Um, it was a no-doubt 438-foot blast, and it was the first walk-off home run in postseason history by a team trailing by multiple runs. Second walk-off homer in postseason history uh, by a team down to their final out, joining Kirk Gibson's home run over Dennis Eckersley. Um, when Pena lined out to start the eighth, the Mariners had a 98% win probability to win the game. Uh, when Alvarez even stepped to play in the ninth, Seattle's win probability was 91%. Um, the way win probability works, Jordan Alvarez gets credit for 91% win probability added, um, which is the number one most important postseason play in Major League Baseball history based on this metric. Um, I, You and I talked about it after this game. This series was over in my mind after this. It yep. was the Mariners. You threw a huge punch in the first round. Astros got back up, went the distance, knocked you out. There's just no way you can recover a, from the Jordan home run, which was just majestic. Uh, the chatter over Yankee, at Yankee Stadium while this was happening was just a collective fuck. Um, but B, you got to the best pitcher in the American League for six runs, and you lost. You have to win this game. They, they lost the series on that one. As for the Robbie Ray conundrum, um, Scott Severs got cute. It's an expression we use for Aaron Boone frequently. Um, he got cute. I get you wanted the lefty-on-lefty matchup, but... Starting pitchers are starting pitchers. Do not put them in uncomfortable situations. And I know it's lefty-lefty. And look, I don't care if you're righty or lefty. You hang a heater down the plate to a guy like Jordan Alvarez, it's going to hit the ball 438 feet. That's how the world works. But it was a it was a bit of a confounding decision. Made no sense. They deserve to lose. Made no sense. Uh, and game two was the Jordan show again. He socked an opposite field two-run homer off Luis Castillo in the sixth. Put the Astros ahead and send them to a 4-2 win over Seattle Thursday afternoon. Um, Jordan Alvarez was walked with a runner on first later in the game, but the damage was done. Became the sixth player in postseason history with most multiple career go-ahead home runs in the sixth inning or later when the team was trailing. Uh, the Astros jumped out to a 2-0 lead in the ALDS. 
Alvarez put the Astros ahead 3-2 in the sixth when he sent that ball into the Crawford box with a two-run homer. Castillo had allowed only three base runners prior to that. Solo home run by Kyle Tucker in the second, a double by Jeremy Pena in the fourth, and a bloop single to Pena ahead of Alvarez's home run. When Pena drew a two-out walk in the eighth against reliever Andres Munez, Alvarez was walked even though first base wasn't open. Move backfired. Bregman, RBI single, 4-2 Astros lead. Framber Valdez solid, only allowed two earned runs, just doing Framber Valdez things. Another big takeaway, other than Jordan is good, um, just Jeremy Pena kid is stepping up as the new Carlos Correa in the postseason. Yeah. He never has the big hit, but he's just, he's in there. Well, and then he does have the biggest hit. So, ignore me. So, he's kind of, like, they replaced Correa. The Astros... They're older than if they, if it wasn't for the Braves' age, the Astros are the other team. I'd say you can comfortably put World Series bets on year after year for the foreseeable future. Which leads us to Game Three. So I left for my wedding at four fifteen Pacific time, and this game was in the ninth. I then checked my phone about two and a half hours later, and uh, the game was still going on somehow. It was an eighteen inning affair. That ended with Jeremy Pena walled a leadoff home run in the 18th inning for a thrilling one nothing Astros win. Um, after setting up Jordan's go-ahead home runs with singles in Game 1 and Game 2, Pena rocketed a 3-2 pitch from Penn Murphy that sailed 415 feet in the smoky wall and over the air in the 18th. He's the third rookie in postseason history to homer in extra innings, joining Oscar Gonzalez. Um, who also did so this postseason. Astros still needed three more outs, and Luis Garcia, who had a pitch since October 2nd, pitched a 1-2-3, 18th, complete five scoreless innings in relief, and capped an unforgettable night. Um, Braves, or the Astros' bullpen after McCullers combined for 12 scoreless innings, six hours, 22 minutes, 500 total pitches. It's tied for the longest playoff game with Game 4 of the NLDS, uh, which also included the Astros for the longest game in postseason pitch, uh, history. Mariners stuck with them, though. The Astros went 0 for 11 with runners in scoring positions, stranding the bases loaded uh, in the fourth, and runners in second and third in the ninth. Seattle held Houston without a hit from the 10th through the 15th inning. Rookie George Kirby from Westchester, seven scoreless. Uh, all told, there were 42 combined strikeouts, the most in any playoff game, and the most in any game since September 2019. Um, Jose Altuve went 0 for 8, becoming the sixth pitcher in postseason history to achieve the unfortunate feat. But I think he'll tell you, he don't care. Yeah, there, he just he all he cares about is winning now. All he cares about is winning. Um, and if you're this Mariners team, you are ahead of schedule. If you're the Astros team, you're just taking care of business like you've done the past six years. This Mariners team, huge second half to get into the postseason. Uh, won in the wild card round. And look, do I think they could use another bat or two before we say they're truly here for good? Sure. Um, but Julio... I don't think it's too much of a stretch to say by next year, maybe already this year, we're talking about a top 10 player in baseball. I, he's on the trajectory that we'd hoped for uh, Correa. So Julio is there. And again, they've locked up this young pitching staff. We're now, you know, Castillo, Robbie Ray, Gilbert, Kirby going forward. Good staff, great bullpen. And Depoto's going to make a move. Depoto will make some move. And at the end of the day, other than Houston, this division just sucks. Sucks. They're just not even good. No one's good. Nobody is good. Um, all right, NLCS, just a quick recap of game one since that happened last night. We already made our predictions. Um, it was more of the same. Stars delivered. I mean, you Darvish went seven innings, two earned runs. He pitched great for the Padres. Phil's just a little bit better. Um, Zach Wheeler in a 2 nothing victory, seven scoreless, eight strikeouts. Didn't allow a hit until Will Myers lays a single to center in the fifth. It was the only hit he allowed over those seven innings. Uh, also just one walk. 
Harper and Schwarber, the big lefties, added the exclamation points. Harper left it, lofted a home run to left field to make it 1-0 in the fourth. Schwarber obliterated a home run to make it 2-0 in the sixth. Watch that. Go find that on YouTube. Immediately. 488 feet, 119.7 miles per hour. Uh, Wheeler's the second pitcher in MLB history to allow throw seven-plus shutout innings with seven-plus strikeouts and no more than one hit allowed and under 100 pitches in the postseason. Other one was the Don Larson perfect game. Uh, this is the third postseason history where there have been multiple one-hitters thrown in the same year, and the four total hits in this game were tied for the fewest in the postseason game in MLB history. Um, I don't have a lot of analysis this game because there wasn't a lot to give. Darvish pitched good. Wheeler was the ace that they paid him for. He was absolutely lights out. And um, Schwarber hit a bomb and Harper stayed hot. Yeah, Harper's. I mean, Harper had a, a really important homer that gets forgotten because Schwarber hit. The, the, the home run Schwarber hit, that's going to be on replays for a while. It was, it was like, it was one of those where sometimes you look at the stat cast numbers and you're like, oh, no, that can't possibly be right. 488 feet almost might have undersold this. Yeah, it was crushed. Which, like, think about what I just said out loud. 488 feet may have undersold the home run. Yeah, I don't think he hit one that far in the dirt. I think I saw in the derby there were only, like, four total home runs that went further off that. This is off you, Darvish. Yeah. ALCS. I'll let you go first. Verlander gets game one. Yanks get two, three. Astros get the next three. So you're going Yanks and Astros in six? Yep. Yeah, I'm. You can see I'm. Well, you guys can't see, but I'm twiddling this cut on my pinky finger that I got leaving our bodega yesterday. I'll tell you that story later. Oh God, it's not much of a story. I cut my hand on the door. Uh, I'm trying to leave with my sandwich. I unfortunately agree. Um, Astros arrested. We're not, and they just have our number, man. I I'd love to say the Yankees are going to win this, but I'm going Astros in six as well. I read an interesting tweet from Jeremy Frank, though, in that baseball is really painting themselves into a corner here with the way the schedule has worked out. That no matter who wins, there's going to be some narrative to cheapen it. Where even if the if the Astros win, it's going to be, oh, the Yankees pitching didn't have any time to rest. But even if the Yankees win, I think the narrative will be, oh, the Astros only played three games in two weeks, yada, yada, yada. Which I think both are valid. It just sucks that the fact that, this, that the focus isn't going to fully be on two rivals who genuinely I, don't I, like each other. That that's that no one cares about either of those things. I disagree. I think both those points are completely moot. That's irrelevant. Well, I don't think these are the two best teams in the AL all year. There's no excuse. Well, I, I I don't think they'll be relevant until after the series. I don't think you'll hear it among, enough during it. These baseball series are long. I know. They never end. Alright, I'm gonna fly through the rest of the news cycle and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, we've talked about the Braves wrapping up the young core, and they just keep doing it. Spencer Strider, six-year, $75 million extension, covers 2023 to 2028, $22 million club option for 2029, buys out two pre-arbitration theory seasons, three arbitration years, and what would have been his first free agent season. Uh, he'll earn $1 million in 2023 and 2024. He's 24 years old, four in 2025, 20 in 2026, 2022 and 2027, and 2028. Uh, and if his option's picked up, this will be $92 million over seven years. Fourth-round gem in 2020 this year, 131 and two-thirds innings, 267 ERA, 200-plus strikeouts, um, just walked 6.8% of batters from June 10th onwards. Really was one of the more dominant pitchers in baseball the entire year. $75 million guarantee shatters the record for pitchers with such limited experience. Mad Bum's five-year $35 million contract a decade ago stood as a record extension for pitchers between one and two years of service time. 
Um, it also passes the established extension for records with record for pitchers with two to three years of service time, which are Blake Snell and Sandy Alcantara. I get, I guess he's from the South, and I get guys want to play with the Braves. This one is the most fair of the. Yeah, no, this one's good. This one, I like this for both sides. Yeah, I, I mean Strider as a young righty with you know pitchers get hurt, he locks in an average of twelve and a half million a year. He could still hit free agency at thirty thirty. He's going to be make his arbitration salaries are tw- over twenty, and he's only losing one free agent here. This he'll have a big bite of the apple when he's twenty nine. So now they've locked up, just going around Austin Riley for ten years. Uh, Ozzy's probably got like what four, four or five years left at least. Yep. Dansby's a free agent. Dansby might have to be the one to go because you have Grisham who can move in at short. I mean, he, every, he's the only one that can go. Everyone else is locked up. <laughs> Olsen, eight years. Uh, Harris, eight years. Yep. And Ronald with the options, I think it's still another 10. Yeah, they got him for a while. Yeah, I think you have to let Dansby go because at the end of the day, you have someone who can replace him in Grisham and. You gotta save some money for Max Free. That's essential. Unless they don't have, they might have unlimited money, or just unlimited pitchers. I maybe like, but I, no, bring back Free. Smoltz's kid's got to be twenty-two or Maddox's kid, right? Get him in there. Glavin's kid. Glavin. Well, I, I just Freed kind of reminds me of Glavin, though. So, so they don't need Glavin's kid. We don't need Glavin's kid. Um, no surprise here, but they did this before the NLDS. Rob Thompson, interim manager, no more. Uh, two-year extension covering 2023 and 2024. 65 and 46 in the regular season. Led the team to the playoffs. Two decades as a coach. Former Yankee coach. We, I love Rob Thompson. I'm so happy for him. Obviously, now his team's up one nothing in the NLCS. So, this happened a week ago. Now, it really looks like a no-brainer. Um, credit to Thompson, man. I mean, this is really... It's again, we said it last week. It's not like they made a huge deadline move that propelled this team. They got Noah Syndergaard and David Robertson. And Marsh. Solid, two solid veterans. And Marsh. But it's not like the, it's not like there was a move that made the team so much better than when they had Joe Girardi as manager. And to, this, I'm shocked. If anything, Thompson just got way less Bryce Harper and shittier Bryce Harper when he came back. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because he's not, I mean, he's he's been with Girardi forever. So this is the same energy that he's just getting the most out of. But again, this Phillies roster is a win-now team, so their success shouldn't be a surprise. Um, but at this point... And he did what you said. You said he needed to win some postseason series to get the job. Would you say he's done enough to get the job? I think he's going to get to the World Series. So yes. Yeah, he's already done enough. <laughs> so yes is the answer. Winning the one series gets got him there. Giants uh, hired Pete Petula as their new GM. He was former the Astros assistant GM. Steps in as the new number two after under Farhan Zaidi after Scott Harris left to run baseball ops with the Tigers. Um, made his way through the Astros system quickly. Interned in 2011 uh, under Jeff Loonhow. He spent a fair amount building up the Houston farm system. Director of player development uh, by 2016. Assistant GM to 2019. Um, and he was able to stay when the shit hit the fan. Um, again, I know nothing about this guy and I don't get too excited about number twos, but... This just seems like one smart organization taking a guy from another smart organization and giving him a newer job title so they can have him in their front office. Congratulations to Mr. Pete. Yeah, good job, Mr. Pete. Two quick free agency news. Qualifier offer this year. Up uh, to new record. Last year's previous high was $18.9 million. Now it's $19.65 million. Again, this is the one-year deal um, and is the average salaries of the 125 highest-paid players in baseball. At $19.65 million, if you have a guy on the fence, uh, that you're on the fence of giving an offer to, 
Um, and an example I will give here is like a Tyler Anderson with the Dodgers. Tyler Anderson I didn't give love to before. In that game four loss, he went five scoreless. Uh, he was an all-star this year. I think you really got to try to negotiate multi-year contracts because you're basically paying guys $20 million now on one-year deals. Yeah, people don't like the qualifying offer. It's a hell... Well, yeah, everyone tried to get rid of it. No, I mean, Anderson's a good candidate for this. I mean, Be- this is... I think a guy like Bellinger makes sense here, but that number seems too high. For That's me. what I was going to say. These guys on one-year prove-it deals. I, 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 and again, maybe this is now modern economics and sports, but is the new prove-it deal $20 million a year? If so, you and I need to start hitting the gym more, start rumbling more, and take 500 swings at the cages every day and show for the best. Our time has passed. I think it passed, generously speaking, 20, 20 years ago for me, I was, 19 years ago for you. <laughs> yeah. I, no. 16. 16 years ago for me. Okay. Uh, Carlos Correa is opting out. No surprise there. But he did say, I have a good relationship with Minnesota and I'm very interested in being able to return. You think he goes back to Minnesota? He has a good relationship. He's interested in returning. You think Minnesota opens the bag for him? I don't think they should. I think they kind he of... A, he had a weird year. The, he wasn't great. They ran out of gas towards the end of it. And it's like... Well, it, it felt like he wasn't great for the whole year. But then like 291, 22 home runs, 64 ribbies, 136 games. Like That's not great. But that's like kind of like a typical Correa year. I think he's a guy more so than any free agent who gets a boost because of intangibles. Like, strong defensively, good leader, big in the moment. I mean, I wanted the Yankees to go after him. If I'm if I'm right now on the free agent market for shortstops, he's number three for me. Trey's one, Xander's two, Correa's three. I still want him. But you know how I feel. I love Xander. I and love the X-Men. Mm, I respect him, though. Um, Eric K., 22 years in prison after being convicted of the drug distribution resulting in the death of Tyler Skaggs. I'm not going to get too far Don't do it. drugs, kids. Yeah, don't do drugs. And, you know, hopefully for the Skaggs family, this can bring them a little bit of peace. Um, injury news, Scott Efros from the Yanks, Tommy John surgery out next year. Tyler Matzik of the Braves, Tommy John surgery out next year. Uh, and Fernando Tatis, second procedure on his fractured left wrist. Uh, there was no setback, uh, but given he's suspended and he's on the man from September shoulder surgery, surgery they agreed a second pro- uh, procedure could provide greater long-term stability. I mean, if you're a Padres fan, he already burns you with the suspension. When you read shit like this, are you just like, what the fuck, man? If he, if the Padres make the World Series, they should look to trade him. I think they should look to trade him anyway and just give Soto that, just give Soto that money. I just don't know who takes that contract. The Yankees. You keep saying the Yankees. We're trying to pay our own guy a gazillion dollars. We're the Yankees. Pay everyone. I know. Because this not paying everyone has not been working. I agree. Um, all right. I'm going to cut these tweets of the week in half. Uh, complete list of every manager in history to take a team, uh, take over a team at least seven games under 500 in midseason and win a postseason series. Only Rob Thompson. Albert Pujols. You know I had to work Albert in. Mm-hmm. Best homer to strikeout ratio this year. 24 home runs, 55 strikeouts. Almost one to two. That's really good. That's very good. Um, John Smoltz. He's been in the majors for decades, and he ended up saying points on the broadcast. This is why people think baseball's dumb. That's weird. Julio Rodriguez is the youngest AL player with a double and triple in a postseason game, surpassing Lou Gehrig, first player in postseason history with two extra base hits, including a triple and three run scores in the first four innings of the game. 
Uh, Julio Urias is the only pitcher in MLB history to have at least three postseason wins as a starter and a reliever. Eight postseason wins are the most by any pitcher uh, before turning 27 years old. Guardians are the first team to score each of their first three to score all their runs in each of their first three games of a postseason via home run. If you've watched the Guardians play this year, you know why that doesn't make sense. Uh, Stan in second player in MLB history with 10 plus homers in his first 20 career playoff games. Players in MLB history with 10 plus home runs and a 1200 OPS plus or 1200 plus OPS in a 15 game span. Babe Ruth and Stanton. Uh, the Padres lost all regular season series to the Dodgers this year um, and are now the fourth team to have lost every regular season to a team and defeat them in the playoffs. Padres 7-8-9 in the postseason against the Dodgers, 19 for 55, three home runs. Um, we say when Judge does well. Now we're going to say when Judge does bad. Um, he, for the fourth time, became the only player in baseball history to lead the league home runs and strike out four times in a game that postseason. Judge had a rough series, but I think he had three, four hits, two were big home runs, whatever, survive in advance. Um, in the 18-inning win versus the Mariners, Luis Garcia became the second pitcher in playoff history with a relief outing of five-plus innings, six-plus strikeouts, no runs, and no walks. Tony Gonsolin, all-time weird season. 16-1 in the regular season, 0-1 in the All-Star game, 0-1 in the postseason. You got to give me some commentary on that one, at least. I think mean, If he didn't get hurt, he would have won the Cy Young. Yeah, but our boy Sandy won it. Um, the gap between the Dodgers and Padres in the regular season were 22 games. To put in perspective how big this upset was, that was the same gap between the pa- or the Padres and the Rockies gap was 21 games. Rockies ain't sniffing no postseason. Rockies are very bad. The Nola brothers um, joined the Alomars, the Iorgs, the Boyers, the Musels, uh, and the Johnstons as pairs of brothers to face each other in a postseason series. And last but not least, shout out to Wandy Nails Peralta. First pitcher to appear in all five games of a playoff series. Boom kept him in too long in that third one. I love Wandy. I know we dump on Cashman. Mike Talkman for Wandy Peralta is a fantastic trade. Uh, any concluding thoughts for this week's podcast? Yeah, just stay healthy. Get vaccinated, get flu shots. It's winter's coming. Um, I will say go Bruins. Um, Biggest game in 10 years against Oregon, 8 versus 10 matchup. Only two to be ranked in the top 10 of both the basketball and the football AP polls. Uh, go Giants. Giants are 5-1. and one. Didn't think I'd be saying that on the podcast ever, to be frank. Um, and last but certainly not least, shout out to Miles Straw. I know you said Yankee fans are the worst fan base in baseball. That must have why you didn't have any hit. Been why you had no hits in Yankee Stadium, including the last out to end the series. Uh, all in all, I can say is, as a part of that worst fan base, we just say, go fuck yourself. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Minorski. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week.